Welcome to Durgans and Dargans. We are a Dungeons and Dragons real play podcast for the whole family. As long as your whole family is into intense, bloody adventures. We take D&D seriously, but we're not about to teach your six-year-old any unfortunate vocabulary words. I'm your Dungeon Master, Ben. Joining me today is Aaron. Hi, I'm Aaron. I'll be playing Darren Buccaneer, the Minotaur Sorcerer. Also joining me today is Matt. Hi, my name is Matt. I'll be playing Jet, the gnome fighter, who's ready to punch you in the face. And also joining me today is Charles. I'm Charles, runal surname, human wizard. To our listeners, I'd like to apologize on behalf of the entire cast today as we are recording the AM again. And if any of us ends up being really tired sounding, it's just, uh, well, we'll just say it's an RP choice. You know, the party just came through some combat in the last session and we're, uh, you know, they're all pretty tuckered out. I have no excuse. Actually, I, I, worked, a, <clears throat> I worked a brutal shift last night, so I, I won't lie, I'm pretty tired. Um, there may be a few yawns here and there. Man, we are about to record session 15. We have done 15 of these things, guys, and it is... It's really cool to see uh, how far we've come and what we've been able to accomplish here. Uh, listeners, if you have listened episode 1 through 15, thank you. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for uh, giving us the time of day. Please uh, talk about us to your friends. Uh, give us a like on Twitter at Durgendarg uh, or tweet using the hashtag DarganFamilyPodcast. Uh, we are also on YouTube now, so please give us some listens over there. And at some point, we might try to do some YouTube shorts with some of the funnier uh, clips from our podcast. We'll see. I don't have a lot of time. I have kids. Wait, we're funny. Anyway, I mean, we're funny. <laughs> we like to say. Uh, I we established this last episode. Uh, well, I mean, you as a person are funny. That I myself am not funny. <laughs> that you're funny, but your character is not? <laughs> yeah, I think last episode you said that you were going to try and be funny this time. Didn't we? I remember us agreeing upon the fact that I'm not funny. <laughs> you're That's not funny sure. when you're trying to be funny, apparently. That's true for a lot of people. That's most of the time I'm trying to be funny. <laughs> yeah, I picked up on that. You turn on the fa- you turn on the faucet and nothing happens, but like when you're not looking, it continually drips and it won't go away. Yes, Aaron, you are a dripping faucet. <laughs> so, a a quick recap. You three survivors of Universe DLL-404 are now well into your employment with Professor Absentine. You have already had a whole adventure in the junk universe finding some things for him, and now you have been sent into the comedy universe. You left the junction and entered a busy market square in Humnoria, the comedy universe, and were almost immediately attacked by cultists who believed that sorrow was the way to enlightenment and not laughter. You guys defeated the cultists fairly handily and escaped away before the law could show up into the Funky Duckling Tavern, which is where our session begins today. The tavern is fairly traditional and has polished oak tables, pine wood flooring, and an aging dwarf behind the bar that is probably standing on something and getting up and down because his head keeps disappearing and he keeps reappearing with bottles. Your guide, Gregory Mountebank, leads you to a table in the corner, still breathing a little heavily after the combat, and you all sit down. He says, uh, uh, we should, uh, uh, we should stay here for a minute. Uh, catch our breath and uh, move on from there. As you sit down at the table, a pixie waitress appears and says, Alright, what do you guys want? <laughs> Called it! <laughs> See, I assumed that it was one of the pixie chicks, but I guess it's... Nope. I, I, I... They're, they're just <laughs> Once the I chicks figured... now. <laughs> oh, I was imagining that waitress from, from Emperor's New Groove. Just, that's exactly that what I was imagining. smoker voice. Yes, that's exactly what it was, because we have Kronk with us. Well, we already have Patrick Warburton here. Welcome to the Funkly Duckling Tavern, home of the Funky Duckling. I'll take an onion log and uh, 
a baked potato. Actually, I'll second thought make NPC my potato salad. voiced by David Spade. <laughs> We're just filling out the entire... I don't have a good David Spade. I'll take a cheesy fondue and I'll split the onion off. <laughs> okay. Alright, and you, sir? She turns to Runel. Uh, it's morning, isn't it? She looks at you like you have two heads. I guess that was not in character. That was to you, the DM. Oh, okay. Uh, Yes. Uh, So when you came into the Market Square, it was actually about high noon for Mm. the comedy universe. Not all times line up like that. Yeah, I'm not sure if this is, I guess, my own problem with reality blurring the line between where Charles begins and Runel ends, but um, <laughs> Runel really just wants a cup of coffee, so that's what he's going to okay. <laughs> The pixie looks at you and says, alright, so we've got uh, a salad and an onion log. Was that cheese on those potatoes? Uh, no, salad. Potato salad at this rate. Okay. A potato salad, an onion log, and a cup of coffee. Ah, okay. I'll take all the cheese. Just take the cheesy fondue and a coffee cup. All right, two coffees. And she, she like, pulls out a little cigarette and takes a drag. Um, and like, all right. A candy cigarette, you mean, right? Yes, we're not promoting smoking on this, on. On this, on this broadcast. How dare I you? Mean, Listen, kids, kids, if you smoke, your voice will sound like that. You know, that's how that works. Today's episode sponsored by Big Tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marlboro, if you want to sponsor us, we can change our tune real fast. Wiggins and Darkens, presented by Philip Morris. <laughs> oh, no. Um, As she walks away, she, like, takes a bite out of it and starts chewing <laughs> on, the, on the sugary candy. Yeah, well, all right, well... <laughs> She still took a drag on it, though, but it's still candy. <laughs> well, she's she's a pixie. Like, pic, you know, a, an actual real cigarette would just knock a pixie flat. So it's, it's yeah, definitely some sort of, like, magical candy. So, so she uh, looks at you guys and says, Now, listen, you guys seem like you're not from around here. So the way this is going to work is I am going to summon this food from uh, the ether and we need a little laughter to make it happen so I'm gonna tell some jokes and you better laugh oh no so uh, what do you call a giant magic lizard who can't stop smoking I'm sorry what was your name (laughs) oh oh my name I'm Susan yeah that's my answer that's that's well the right answer is puff honestly that kind of fizzled out there so we're gonna try another one I all right know, my punchline got a lot more laughs than yours <laughs> uh, uh, oh there's some okay and she snaps her fingers and the coffee cups appear she says alright I need a little more juice for the food what do you do when a mammal that lays eggs lunges at you with a sword parry the platypus yeah, yeah. that's uh yeah you parry the platypus oh man if I had a nickel for every time that joke flopped <laughs> uh, You'd have two nickels. Uh, it's we, weird that we it happened twice. We didn't have Disney Channel in our universe growing up. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any uh, PBS Kids jokes? Um, yeah. What do you call an aardvark with no nose? An aardvark with no nose? Oh, yeah. I know. Uh, Buster. Close enough. All right. Okay, that's about enough. These are more like trivia questions than jokes. <laughs> oh, all right, there's enough laughter. I'm done with this. She snaps her fingers, claps her hands, and the onion log, salad, and cheesy potatoes appear. And you guys are now digging in. Uh, I assume the food is just like slightly cold because of just the <laughs> lackluster performance that was given. Yes. She yes. clearly hates her job. It so is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I pull out one I pull out one of my short short shorts, I mean kitchen knives and just slice the onion log in half. You see? Split let's split the log. Oh. Eh, 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 eh. 
Oh, yeah. Whatever. Oh, man. Uh, Gregory gives a chocolate that he's like, <laughs> yeah, mama, I'm a big fan of an onion log. Uh, anyway, so, uh, listen, here's what's going to happen. We are um, a secret society who calls ourselves the Brotherhood of Agoraphobic Trousers. And we have taken it upon ourselves to protect the funniest individuals in the comedy universe from being taken advantage of and used for uh, corporate greed or war purposes. So in an effort to keep the enormous amount of power safe from these funny individuals, we have hidden them away. Now, your Professor Absentine contacted me and uh, he said that he might be willing to take one of these individuals away entirely. And I this individual seems to have agreed, and we will, uh, the comedy universe will be safer if all of this power is hidden away in your junction. Now, I'm on board with this, but we need to get the rest of the Brotherhood of Agoraphobic Trousers, the, uh, the bat for short. Uh, we need to get the rest of the bat on board with this. Now, this timing is perfect, because we are about to have our, uh, weekly, BAT gathering for uh, secret meetings and potluck. We just need to pop back to my house to pick up some spinach puffs and ravioli, and we will uh, head over to the secret place of meeting for the bat. Uh, it is, in fact, a cave. So we will stop by my apartment, uh, pick up the pick up the spinach puffs and ravioli, and then I will guide you to the bat cave and we will uh move on from there i needed to take a screenshot of our faces in this moment to immortalize them because that was way too much just what I, uh, i'm a sucker for some good referential humor seemed pretty straightforward to me all of my laughter i'm trying to figure out where where pants with anxiety comes into play agoraphobic well, the uh, the sisterhood of the traveling pants was already taken. <laughs> All of my laughter is non-diegetic because I'm laughing, uh, but Janet's like, "Why are we talking about pants?" <laughs> uh, listen, you know, if you're gonna have a secret society, you don't want to call attention to it by calling it something like the bro. Well, we, it is the Brotherhood, but like the Brotherhood of Darkness, or like you know, the secrety, secretist society in the hidden lair. Or VFD. Yeah, what? Exactly. I mean, you don't want it to be the Legion of Doom or something like that, you know? It's just a little too on the nose. Although, you did famously give an example of a pretty successful organization with that exact name. I don't remember them being actually that successful. No, let's 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 just go let's just go to your bat cave and eat your spinach ravioli or whatever. Spinach Whatever else you had planned for this episode. Let's just well, do I that. don't I don't know why <laughs> I don't know why we're stuff we're stuffing ravioli in our pants, but if there's anything that has to do with uh, you know, coupling the underdogs against these rich hoity toity laughter people, I'm for it. I gotta say that is the uh. most coherent Jet has ever misinterpreted a mission thus far, and I'm very proud of you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so, uh, Gregory, Gregory looks at you guys and says, uh, now listen, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a, I'm not much of a fighter, so that little, little combat, uh, you know, earlier this morning, that's, um, you know, that we just had, definitely not three weeks ago. We will, Earlier uh, this afternoon. I, I'm a little shaken. So I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go over and have, <clears throat> you know, a, a quick little drink and maybe uh, visit the little boy's room. And I will, uh, well, I'll, uh, I'll be back in a minute. We'll, we'll get there. Um, yeah, see you in a minute. Uh, he, he steps away from the table and you guys are, uh, left to your own devices, your own food, your own coffee for a few minutes. Who do you think it is that we're trying to that wants to come back to the junction with us? Wasn't it the, the, the really, really funny guy? The... Right, but is it like what kind of funny? Like, is it observational humor? Is it Gallagher? 
I hope he's one of those guys that like that like smashes people on the head. That happened pretty funny. You guys remember that Professor Absentine had said that this person was so funny that just hearing their voice would set people into peals of laughter. Does this the the wizard in me is a little skeptical hearing that. And I'm wondering if it's not someone who's actually funny, but just someone who's really good at casting Tasha's hideous laughter. You know, that's that's a great question. You don't know at this point. Uh, after after the fight and after really thinking about it, and once Gregory kind of has some time away and we're just kind of sitting and eating, um, I'm just kind of solemnly eating at this rate, like very slowly, not really saying much. Um... Let out a big heavy sigh, and just go, Ah, well, um, friends, I'm going to give you enough credit and intelligence that you guys can tell that I am not horribly funny. I am, uh, quite concerned, actually, as of right now, that, um, as everything requires laughter here to succeed, I'm deeply concerned that my assistance to you will be hampered by the fact that I am just not really good at making jokes. And while uh, I don't know how much I want to get into now, but I have a long history that it's not a funny one. And there's not a lot that I remember in my life that can be laughed about. So I I I'm going to need to heavily lean on you two for the laughter here because I otherwise I don't think I will be able to actually keep up to snuff and assist the party while we're here. Oh don't worry about it. I mean most comedians are super depressed, so that should be honestly where most of your comedy's coming from anyway. It's it's hard to joke about it. Ah uh, I'll tell a tale, I'll make it quick, or as quick as I can. I wasn't always a Minotaur. At least, not that I, I, I don't know what I was before, but I wasn't always what I am now. You were a cow? The first things I remember from a long time ago was purple robes and red hoods and a bright orange searing light agonizing pain. I woke up after that, lost in, I'll put it simply, a labyrinth. I, uh, I wandered for a while in this dimly lit, horrid place, uh, lost, confused, and in agonizing pain. And then I found a, a stagnant pond. There was no water, except for this place, and it took me, I had no idea how many days to find. And I rushed forward to look down into it, and I saw a horrifying face. My hands and feet were still mine, but my face wasn't. I saw a black iron mask of a, of a bull with a gaping mouth and a dark black maw. The only thing in my face that I could call mine was my eyes still. After horror left me, I, I drank and I drank and tried to drown myself, and it didn't work. <laughs> Something in me wouldn't let me do it. The adamantium skeleton? No, not quite. (laughs) But then, after surviving on water for a good while, I don't know how long it was, there there was a ceiling and a floor and walls. There was no sunlight besides... There was no sunlight, there was just the light of these walls. They seemed to emanate a dim light. And I hungered. I hungered for a long time. There was nothing there to eat, only water to drink. And when I came to the brink of starvation, I started to lose my mind. And I heard in the dark, dank caverns a singing. And then a door swung and I heard the bleeding of a goat. In my hunger and in my madness, I slaughtered it. And I ate it. Raw and bloody. I still... I still remember the feeling of blood pooling in that iron mask. And life continued like that for a while. Starvation, over and over and over again, and then feeding. They would give me different things each time. They got progressively harder to kill. 
elks eventually, boars, then eventually they started throwing down wolves, and I started to slay them all with such efficiency, and eat them all without hesitation. Eventually they threw down a kobold. He was an easy enough kill. One, one swift throw into a wall and he was dead. Tasted alright too. Then they started to throw more kobolds, then goblins. And finally, a man. An old man. He was an easy kill, too. Every time they dropped something down, the singing and the chanting continued. I have no idea how long that lasted. I lost track of how many times I fed. And then, one day, I, I learned their patterns, and I could hear the singing start, and I went to the trapdoor, before they'd even thrown anything down. And this time... I leapt forward the moment I saw it drop, and I snapped its frail neck before I even saw what it was. And when I looked down in my hands, I saw a child. Something broke in me at that moment. Something snapped. Something burned for the first time in a long time. And I don't remember how, but I leapt through that trapdoor. And all I saw was purple and flashes of red. And I didn't stop until my hooves would stick against the floor of that cavern with blood. I stunk of iron and rot, and I slew them all, every last member of that cult. I have no idea who they served, no idea what they wanted, but I killed them all. Then I ran out naked into the night, and I kept running until I found an altar. I had no idea who it was. But I begged for destruction. I begged all night long for destruction until my eyes were blurred and blind. And then the dawn broke, and I saw light. My eyes were clear again. And I saw a man. No, I, I saw Lathander, and he spoke to me. And I, I still begged him to destroy me, he said no. He said, my child, Darren, do not seek your own destruction. You are mine, and I will not see you die. Die by my hand. I will redeem you. Follow my teachings. Do good and serve the weak. My promise will stay with you. Always remember me at each dawn, for I will always be with you with the rising sun. Yeah, thank you for saving this for the comedy episode. This was <laughs> <laughs> had to bring down it. Had to bring it down a little bit. I have oh, been dissociating for the past five minutes. <laughs> um. Yeah. So it's I. I kind of figured, uh, just in the comedy universe, this this juxtaposition of everything needing laughter, but you know, if someone's not funny, why? I'm horribly unfunny. And now you know. So I just, I don't have much to laugh about. Thank you for bringing us down with you. Jeez, Louise, that's <laughs> heavy. I... Sorry, I thought you were a cow. That was kind of rude. <laughs> well, based on appearances, I wouldn't blame you. Hey, <laughs> dang, man. I got turned into a cow. Can I go home now? Sorry. I'm sorry. I saw it and I couldn't miss it. Oh, that's great. That's great. Oh, man. You're excused. <laughs> Dang, man. I... <laughs> yeah, I've been through, through some rough patches, but um, yeah, that's a... Uh... You okay, man? I have Lathander, and I have Redemption. And so I'm, I'm holding on to that, though it's why the lack of sun has been hitting me so hard recently, which is why I'm so happy to be here in a sense that there's a sun again. Well, you know, I, I feel like you, you were saying something like that, Ruin. I feel like you, <laughs> most funny stuff, well, some funny stuff comes from, you know, like stupid stuff, but Sometimes you just like you just laughed at how messed up everything is. Like, what else can you do, man? I mean, we're all just <laughs> we're all just, we had 
stuff and before, but we all kind of lost it. So, I mean, we got that in common. <laughs> you kind of have to, yeah, you kind of just have to laugh at just how messed up things are. Other, otherwise, you just kind of, well, the other option's not that great, is it? utter despondency. Ha. Oh, was that not a pun? Oh. You said utter despondency. <laughs> it wasn't intentionally a pun, but I'm gonna take credit for it. Hey, you see, man, you know, you're, I, I think you're, you're funny. You just don't, you just don't know it yet. Yeah, you just gotta grab life by the horns. <laughs> Bruno is just, like, very, doesn't know what to say at all. Um, but, uh, kind of like put my hand out to your forearm just there there <laughs> appreciate it no but I just I, I, I say this only not as someone who needs comfort but someone who just is wanting to explain I need your help in this regard I need your help to to be effective and to do good Especially right now, when I am really struggling to make someone laugh. Well, we've had each other's back so far. I think we we can think we're a good team. Agreed. After that horrible confession <laughs> and that show of support from your fellow party members, your fellow survivors, uh, Gregory comes back uh, and says, "Ah, well, ah." Uh, well, I hope I uh, didn't miss anything particularly funny while I was away. Oh, you did not. <laughs> ah, that's me that's, laughing out of character. I love to hear it. I love to hear it. Uh, anyway, if you guys are done with your coffee and onion logs, we'll uh, we'll head back to my place just to pick up those spinach puffs real quick. Uh, sure. I don't think I've ever considered in any D&D session that I've ever played how the breath of the party must smell but after hearing that <laughs> sentence out loud oh my gosh what were we thinking just breathe out too loudly and another table passes out and then Jet realizes that he's been drinking coffee mixed with cheese this entire time oh 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 boy is that like putting butter in coffee I don't even want to think about it anyway Let's go get our funny man to the Batcave. <laughs> uh, well, yes, to, to the Batcave in a minute, but first to uh, my cave, my my home. Uh, and he leads you back out into the street. This city is built on a tall hill. Uh, and so it is, there's one big road that descends in a long spiral pretty much all the way down. And there's not really any side streets or ways to go down it quickly. So you guys have a fairly leisurely walk surveying the city. And it's it's a fairly beautiful city. And it's a beautiful city. It's got uh, More than fairly a beautiful. lot of great old architecture. <laughs> More than fairly beautiful. We'll say it's a it's a fair city. Does that work? Uh, so you you get to uh, view this fair city. There's a lot of uh, old architecture. There's a lot of what it looks like new architecture. It seems, and you remember from the handbook telling you that. There's a lot of war in Humnoria, and that despite the fact that there's a lot of real laughter pretty much everywhere, and to the left and to the right of you, you hear people chuckling and guffawing as people exchange jokes, and you see magic lights flashing as the comedy has its effect. But you remember that this is a very warlike and violent universe. This is a this is a hard world to be in in some ways. Uh, and so when buildings are destroyed by the endless laughter-filled sieges, uh, they have to rebuild over and over again. And so you see some ancient architecture next to some very, very new architecture. And there's pillars and fountains and some beautiful young trees planted around. And it is, it is gorgeous. And he leads you around this spiral about two and a half turns until he turns into a 
a small wooden door uh, at ground level and leads you into his home. It's it's very homey in an upscale sort of way. Open concept with a sitting room opening directly into a very extensive kitchen. It seems like he very much likes to cook. There's a lot of cooking implements there. Uh, Jet, you automatically track which ones are going to be the most effective for violence. Uh, and there's some, some nice couches against the walls, some brass oil lamps and sconces, some nice-looking tile patterns on the flagstones of the floor. It's it's very nice. Uh, he walks in and heads straight to the kitchen and says, Ah, you just uh, wait right there. I'll, I'll be right there. I have a magic cooling box in which the spinach puffs are being stored. Uh, he uh, walks into the kitchen, gestures to the couches, and starts rummaging around in a magical ice box. Uh, what do you guys do? Do I see any kitchen tools nearby? Were they all? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's got them scattered all over the counter. You see a um, a very nice looking meat cleaver, uh, as well as a uh, a large meat tenderizer, uh, one of those like hammers with with spikes on the edge. So a war hammer. It's it's basically a small war hammer. I pull out my dwarven thrower, and I hold that in the other hand. I'm like, hmm. Not as big as mine. <laughs> okay. Um, is there a window in this? Like, uh, is there is a there window a... looking out at a sun, at the sun at all? There's a couple windows uh, facing the street. The the blinds are drawn right now, though. Okay, I just go to one of them and start peeking out the window, looking for the sun. Okay. Um, yeah, the the sun is. It's about. Uh, it's about one p.m. now, so the sun is fairly high in the sky. It's burning bright. Um, Gregory calls from the back and waves you over and says, Ah, hi, could I, uh, could I get a hand over here real quick? I have the hot mitts on and I'm having a hard time holding this thing. I got you. I go over and try to help him hold it. Whatever. It's like a tray? It's like he's like a tray and he can't hold it? Uh, well, as you are crossing the room, and honestly, Runel, even as you're standing in the, uh, more towards the doorway and Darren, as you're standing by the window, uh, you hear a thunk and the entire floor of the sitting room falls away beneath you. Uh, please, everybody make an acrobatics check to see how you land. Boy, what is my acrobatics? That is a 12 for Runel. Oh, I, I have a plus two. Cool. That's a 17. Runel, you take three falling damage. Uh, Darren, you manage to land on your hooves. 11. Uh, Jet, you take... Oh, also three falling damage. Which is absorbed my, by my armor of Spring Heel Jack. Oh. Brilliant. Brunel's fall damage is absorbed by pain. <laughs> 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 uh, he cleverly converts the impact of falling onto the ground into pure, unadulterated damage. <laughs> Wait. I just realized. Yes. We're, we're dropping into Yzma and Kronk's secret lair. <laughs> Maybe. That's men. <laughs> Wrong lever. Uh, he definitely pulled the right lever. <laughs> oh, so he intentionally dropped. Wait, is Kronk not on our side? Oh, intrigue. As you guys are dusting yourselves off in this trap room, you look around at your surroundings. It is a fairly simple stone-walled box the size of the room above it. But below you, you see a massive magical rune carved into the floor. Runel, you recognize it as the high elven symbol for absolute truth. Uh, everybody make a wisdom saving throw. Oh boy, I have a negative one in this. Interrogation. That's an eight. Oof. Uh, three? That is a 22. All right, with a with a twenty-two, Runel, uh, the spell does not have its full full effect. Darren and Jet, you are under a powerful zone of truth spell. You are now unable to lie. Runel, you can lie, but you will still have a fairly high DC deception check. Uh, but you can try to deceive. Gregory looks down at you from the edge of the kitchen and says, Ah, uh, now listen, no hard feelings, guys. Uh, but we can't just take you straight to the Batcave and expect you to uh, keep our little secret. So we must 
test your worthiness. We must, well, we have to know if you're good guys. Now, we're going to do this fairly simply. I am going to test to see if the spell worked. And if the spell has worked, we will ask you, I will ask you a few questions. And if you answer satisfactorily, I will take you to the Batcave. And you will be able to negotiate for the information of where is this most hilarious humor. So, the question. Out of your entire life, what is your second most embarrassing secret? And if it is truly embarrassing, I will know that you are telling the truth. So now, who's first? One of them is in this campaign. I know it, because he doesn't remember anything else. Um, Second most... Specifically, the second most. Honestly, it it would be too cruel to ask for your most embarrassing secret. That's. I mean, everyone (laughs) needs to keep their most embarrassing secret secret. So, I mean, it's a it's a test, but we're not gonna like try to completely undo you. Um. Oh man. Oh (laughs) jeez. I have dark secrets. I don't have embarrassing secrets. Um. (laughs) And I just shared all my dark secrets. Yeah, but he didn't hear. I'll go first. One time. I was on a date, and it was a first date, and I was sitting, I had just gotten to the the restaurant, and I was sitting, and I I knew that the the woman was was coming into the restaurant soon, uh, because she had told me that she had just arrived, and I see someone walking up towards me, who I assumed was my date and I stood up said hello and I went to give the woman a hug and she obliged she hugged me and she looked very confused and as I looked up I saw the woman who was actually my date walking towards me and the woman I just hugged said hi I'm your waitress Oh. <laughs> to be fair, it was during COVID, and they were wearing masks, so like I couldn't. <laughs> them, and they were around the same height, and oh, it was not. Uh, broke uh, through the fourth uh, uh, wall there. Ah, uh, uh, Lord, oh, ye gods, man, that's awful. Hey, out, uh, out of character, Charles talking here, Lauren. I apologize again. Oh my god! Oh no! Yeah, that was that 100% happened. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so, so you, all right, all right. As, as we as we know, the uh, the COVID magical spell that uh, uh, disturbed people just it was a mild inconvenience. Nothing, nothing crazy, right? Yeah, I it was it was in our town for for. Uh, about a year, everyone was covering 75% of their face. Oh, no. Well, good. The universe is gone now. It's fine. <laughs> Ooh, hey! Oh, that's... My heart aches for you. Uh, Gregory, Gregory laughs. Ah, 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 ah. Oh, my friend. That is... Ah, that's awful. I'm I'm so sorry that happened to you. I, I believe you. The, the spell has clearly worked. Uh, you just significantly lowered the DC of any deception checks that you will make because you just told a very true, very embarrassing story. And and he looks at you and says, if, if that's your second most embarrassing, I don't want to know what the first is. You keep your secret. Who's next? I've done embarrassing stuff during this campaign. Well, what have I done? How about the time you awkwardly tried to immediately evangelize to the uh, what was his name Henry oh that, Henry Harrington that was pretty awkward oh yeah did I wait when did I do that I don't know you, <laughs> you immediately started talking to him about Lathandar and he was just like um sure okay whatever yeah. um yeah there was there was also the time that you thought you could fireball a pit of oil and be okay well uh, yes there was that I, uh, well, actually, no, second most embarrassing thing. I fell into a vat of oil three times while trying to fight a stupid fat pigeon. It was quite embarrassing. That is true. I did. I was there for that. I saw that, and it was pretty bad. You also let something on fire while you were covered in oil? 
I know we used prestidigitation before then. It was right after. <laughs> I do like the we- Jet and I are just like immediately bringing up everything Darren has ever done. Embarrassing. <laughs> this is now our roast. Oh session. no, we can, we can help you out here, buddy. We, <laughs> we can, can help you out. Let's go for it. <laughs> ah, well, yes, I uh, I believe all of that. That sounds <clears throat> on brand for you. Oh. Uh, Thanks, man. And, uh, you, Mr. Gnome, what, uh, what is your second most embarrassing secret? Well, there was a few times I, uh, wasn't quite awake in the morning. I went to a job, uh, without my pants on, um, but that wasn't, I mean, (laughs) it's going free and clean, right? But I, that didn't really bother me. (laughs) You just have no shame, sir? Well... Is Jet intelligent enough to feel shame? Oh, he feels he feels shame. It just depends on what it's about. Most physical things, he doesn't really care. Uh, but well, the one time I uh, uh, was a kid and I uh, wanted to see my dad and I uh, went to go out in public and I went to go, you know, you're a kid, you go give give your dad a hug and he. Uh, uh, he didn't. He liked me a little bit before, but then all of a sudden he just he just walked walked away and and uh, point made and act like he didn't even know me, and he never ever saw him again. Yeah, and that was in front of you know all sorts of people, and yeah, I just kind of run, run away after that. Okay. Good lord, man! You know this is the comedy universe, right? Yay, man! I, I mean. I can't imagine anything sadder than that. Go talk to the cow, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was about, I was expecting at the end of that to be like, yeah, it wasn't even my dad. <laughs> I'm sorry. And he says, now, listen, I won't lie. When you fell, I saw that you had a interesting lower back tattoo, and I thought maybe there was a story there, but yeah, that sounds incredibly embarrassing. Well, hey, yeah, don't don't you go don't t- tell nobody. It's um, I'm, I'm, I'm not me anymore. <laughs> That's uh, the most embarrassing scene. It's the most embarrassing scene. Sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, I believe you now. Uh, and uh, now for the more official questions. Do you swear that your purpose here is to remove Hubert from this entire universe? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. And do you swear that you will not reveal the location of the Batcave to anyone else in this universe or any other? Not willingly. What he said? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I have no... I, I'll i be honest with you, I don't even know anyone here besides you, so I have no one to tell. That's fair. All right. Uh, do you swear? No. Not on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, listeners. Uh, No unfortunate vocabulary words. We are are true to that. Um, She says, ah, all right. All right, all right. I I believe you. And he tosses down a rope ladder from the kitchen and allows you guys to climb out. He didn't even finish his question. I'll be honest. That was was the question. Do you swear? (laughs) Do you ever use unfortunate vocabulary words? (laughs) No. (laughs) Never. You are under a zone of truth spell, sir. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, Darren. Darren's under the zone of truth spell. Yes. Darren and Uh, Jedi. Yes. So. You guys are able to climb out just fine. You climb up into the kitchen. He uh, starts pulling on a pulley system and it raises his floor back into uh, the tile pattern and he lifts up a a bag that uh, clearly has some casserole dishes in it and says well uh, I was not kidding about the spinach puffs that's uh that's half of why we were here so let's uh let's go follow me and he leads you down and around the city. And it's, it's a while walking, so it's starting to be early evening by the time you reach the large city gates. There are guards on either side, but the gates are standing wide open and they, they let you pass unchallenged. Uh, he takes you outside the city down a, a wide uh, stone-paved road and 
he hangs a left past a grove of trees, and there is a large kind of suburban villa that has some beautiful, beautiful pillars on it and a big wide porch out front. And uh, he takes you not to this house, but around behind the house and into another copse of trees. And in that copse of trees, he pulls aside a couple of bushes and there is a stone door. He presses his hand against a circle on the door and it swings open silently. You guys enter it and he lights a torch. You see a steep winding stone path with a deep precipice on either side leading down to a massive circular tower of stone with even deeper precipices on all sides of that. And in the middle of that tower of stone is a circular table surrounded by stone chairs filled with people wearing long-nosed masks with terrifying cheerful smiles painted on them and all wearing bright yellow robes. I am really uncomfortable with how culty this feels. Do they look like owls by any chance? <laughs> no, they do not. Um, Gregory looks over at you, Darren, and says, Now, listen. You know, not every secret brotherhood is a cult, but you can't be a secret brotherhood if you don't have robes and masks. I mean, come on, right? And as as he comes down, he he pulls out of his pack a a robe and a mask, and he fits them over himself, and he and he leads you down this stone passageway, and you come to the bottom. He sits at the one empty seat at the table, and every one of those masks turns to look at you. Someone wearing a slightly more ornate mask than everyone else addresses you and says, <coughs> Well now, you are the delegation from Absentine? Yes. Yes. Ah, good, good. Uh, uh, most excellent. Uh, Brother Mountebank, have you put them through the test? He replies, uh, Yes, sir. They are passed with flying colors. They are here for the purpose that Absentine told us about. And the president of the secret society turns to you and says, Well, it is, uh, it is good to hear that, and this serves our interests quite well. However, this is not something that we can simply allow without, well, a, a certain quid pro quo. And we have a, uh, a favor in return for our favor. This information that we possess of the location of the funniest man is perhaps too valuable just to be given away. But we will not ask much of a price. We simply ask that you help us to receive a message from one of our brethren that is, and, and sistren that is spying for us. Uh, there is an event that we would have you attend uh, that none of us can really risk being seen at in our <clears throat> secret brotherhood capacity in our uh, but we would like you to attend this event receive a message from our spy and return it to us here simple enough do you think you could do this what uh, probably look we're we, we we know we know what we're doing we're we're good at our jobs but uh we're getting a message for you. I don't know. What if they uh, find us out? They, we got your important information, apparently. Well, uh, if uh, if they find you out, you might simply have to fight your way out and escape. You seem fairly rough and tumble, you especially, sir. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, that was out of character. Uh, Darren is still visually uncomfortable and just kind of glancing around the room. Like, he's just, his eyes are darting to each of these people, like, always looking at their every movement. Uh, make a perception check. Ooh. Um, two. It is, it is just a run-of-the-mill typical secret society, masks, robes, nothing more to be seen here. Now, let, let's back up for a second. Absentine sent us here to do doing a job for him, and, uh, whatnot. He actually obviously contacted all of you uh, folks 
But, uh, he didn't give you anything in exchange ahead of time? Well, we... He reached out to, uh, Gregory here, and, uh, he has some, some contact with Gregory, and he has some contact, uh, via some magical secret pen pal thing, I don't pretend to fully understand it, uh, with Hubert himself. Hubert is the one who instructed Gregory to reach out to Absentine, and so Absentine has offered us the opportunity to remove this very dangerous person from the comedy universe in general, and that is something that we would like, but at the same time, uh, since Professor Absentine is gaining something from it, we would like to gain a little more in return, and therefore we would we would have you do this favor for us. It should be fairly simple. Hey, uh, I'm on your level. Alright, alright. What does your spy look like? How do we know what we... How will we know who to find? Yeah. We will, uh, provide you with a certain item which you will wear, and it will identify you as our emissary, as our one of us, and the spy will, <clears throat> well, the spy will find you. You will simply have to mingle at this. It's a, uh, it's a garden party at Lord Fancybottom's estate. He's a, he's a halfling. They, of, they often have names like that. And, uh, if you are able to mingle and make your rounds at Lord Fancybottom's party, you should be contacted by our, uh, <clears throat> you should be contacted by our contact. Spy? If you are able to do an appropriate amount of mingling at Lord Fancy Bottom's party, our spy will find you and contact you. The trick with this mission will be not to attract too much undue attention to yourself, but to attract the right sort of attention from the spy. Does Lord Fancy Butt know that we're going to this party? Yeah, like, how do we... Did we get invitations from Lord Fancy Butt? Ah, uh, we have... The ability to forge some invitations, uh, but it is a very informal guest list. And so if you manage to just make it past the doorman, there will be many, many people there. And you will, uh, you will, well, he looks at you guys. You, sir, he gestures to Runal, might, might blend in. All right, uh, Mr. Minotaur, uh. I'll blend in anywhere. I have this magnificently fancy hat. It is magnificently fancy. Uh, Yes, I think that should help you get away with it. Um, And you, uh, Mr. Gnome, uh, I think, well, with a little little cleaning up, you'll you'll be all right. Uh, Perhaps you could be, um, hmm, you could be uh, visiting dignitaries from another country, and you, Mr. Gnome, could be there their associate, their assistant. Uh, We will uh, help to provide you with party wear, so you will not have to wear your your, uh, working, traveling clothes. Uh, Is this going to be a large event? Like, does uh, Lord Fancybutt know everyone on the guest list? Uh, Mr. Fancybottom, uh, Lord Fancybottom. Won't Lord Fancybottom notice two people that he doesn't know? Like, does he know everyone on the guest list already? It, it will be a very large event, and if you are, uh, perhaps if you are traveling nobility from perhaps the other side of the world, uh, you could simply say, we are here because we heard this is the place to be, and uh, just wave a, a general invitation. Does this seem like something you would be uh, suited for? No, but it doesn't seem like we have any choice. That's the spirit. <laughs> yeah, I think we could, we could do this. Um, is there anybody, we should, any uh, enemies we should watch out for when we're out here? Anyone we don't want to rub shoulders with? Uh, he... Um, Sounds like the answer's no. Everyone's friendly. <laughs> we will have no worries. No combat whatsoever. I, I would say look out for the green hats. Uh, they are... They function as a sort of police, but they are on the take from Lord Fancybottom and will function as his informants. So, 
I would say if you see someone wearing a green hat, no matter how ornately dressed, uh, they are someone to not attract the attention of. Are you ready and willing to undertake this? It is tomorrow evening. I'm neither ready nor willing, but I guess we're going. I'll take it. And you two? Yes, we, we will go. Let's make it a party. Excellent. Very well. He turns back to the table and says, Do I hear someone posit the notion that these three should function as our emissaries to Lord Fancy Bottom's party? And Gregory leans forward and says, I, uh, I put forward the notion. And is anyone second the notion? And someone on the far side of the table says, Uh, yes, I, uh, I second the notion. Motion. Motion. I second the motion. Ah, all in favor say aye. And there's a chorus of eyes, aye, aye, aye. This episode brought to you by the letter I. Uh, the president turns to you and says, Very well then, you have been commissioned. You shall be the fellowship of the joke. <laughs> Keep it secret. Um, Brother Gregory here will take you to a place where you can uh, procure party wear, and I here will supply you with these. And he stands up and walks over to you guys, and he gives you each a very ornate uh, jeweled necklace. And it is, you know, it, it just looks like a super fancy piece of jewelry, but it has a, a pattern on it that looks vaguely like a, um, a closed mouth. Hmm. And uh, he says, this is, a, this is a variety of the symbol of our order. We are looking to, well, <clears throat> to keep the mouths shut of those who would use laughter magic for evil. And he, um, so he hands you each of these and says, wear it with your party outfits and it will identify you to the spy as being one of us. We're just dripping in necklaces. We've gotten like four different necklaces. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oma blue yeah, so, and, and just weighted <laughs> down to the floor. I, I was point. half expecting our like fancy party wear in the comedy universe. He, like, gives us each a lampshade to put on our heads. (laughs) No, no, no. One of us gets a lampshade. The other one gets a half a watermelon, and the other one gets... Um, You guys are going to go somewhere else to get these outfits, but, you know, he... I wasn't going to have him, like, hand you clown shoes and, you know, uh, like, hobo wear. (laughs) But it is a good point. You have a lot of medallions and necklaces. He says, uh, you might need to, uh, remove some of your other jewelry in order for this one to be perhaps the most prominent thing <laughs> that you are accessorizing with. Right. At this point, Brother Gregory leads you, well, Gregory Mountebank, leads you up back along the passage, and you hear vague murmurs behind you of the, uh, <laughs> you hear vague murmurs behind you of the secret brotherhood, the bat, uh, digging into their potluck, uh, and also discussing you know, see you, Batman. Secret Brotherhood business, discussing other funny people who might, they might need to be on the lookout for. Wait a minute, did did Gregory remember his spinach puffs? Oh uh, yeah, they're on the table. He, <laughs> okay, he just making sure. Go, shoved it in his mouth. I was just making sure he didn't forget his spinach. <laughs> I got you. Uh, no, no, he didn't. He's uh, they're they're so easy to make. I'll get you the recipe. <laughs> Great, thank you. So yeah, he so he leads you uh, back up and out of the secret lair, the bat cave, and leads you back towards the city. And just in the outskirts of the city, there's kind of like one of the small villages that dots the surrounding area, the the suburbs of the city, if you will. And he leads you up to a shop that has a sign outside the door that says patterns and prints party wear. Uh, Prince spelled P-R-I-N-C-E. And he, uh, sees that there's the open sign on the door despite the fading light. Is and- it sp- it's spelled out with the five letters or is it just like that symbol? <laughs> Alright folks, I think for the sake of time we're going to cut this off there. Uh, we're going to have another little kind of mini episode that I hope to post in a week or two 
ish. Uh, we're going to record that in a minute. But for now, thank you, players, for being great players. Thank you, listeners, for being great listeners. And as always, thank you to my wife for letting me play D&D as a hobby. And uh, thank you to Kevin McLeod for the great music that we used in this episode. <laughs>